What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Star Bros Podcast. We are excited to have you joining us here this afternoon, evening. It's evening for us. Um, we are really excited to talk to you about something I feel like we've been waiting a really long time for. You've all been able to watch now, the, hopefully, the first four episodes, and I'll put the, the, the notice out here. Now, spoiler alerts, we're going to be diving deep into the series Andor. Um, honestly, it feels like we've been waiting forever and we finally got it like I, i'm just so happy the day is finally here but before we jump into all that uh i am joined as always by my bro host Jan solo and i'm joined by my bro host ben skywalker and this is a bit of a special episode because uh well one ian decided to you know drench all of our plans you see what i did there uh and <laughs> i'm full of them tonight you just just wait wait till we get to the title um, and we are recording this one from our individual homes. Uh, so that's one. But the second thing that makes this kind of special is I, th I think as long as the, everything's, you know, in the cards correctly, like we're going to put this one with our faces on it online. It's going to be pretty wild. Yes, this is pretty us. Wild. Here we are. Hope you're not disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh man, I hated blue. I, I love to not seeing not them. seeing their faces. Yeah, I was like, I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> well, here we are, and we're happy to be here. Um, but yeah, Ian uh, kind of messed up some of our plans. We were messaging with Chris earlier, saying that we'd love to record in person, but neither of us owns an ARC, so we got to do what we got to do. Um, you said that. See, you're full of the good jokes. I'm full of the dad jokes. That's just how this rolls. It's, it's kind of you to say, but um, I know we have a lot to get to. It does feel like we've waited a long time, but I wanted to show you something real quick before we get into some of the news, and it might be a good segue into the news. Oh, I, I have a feeling I know what it is then, if you're saying it's a segue into the news. You do? Uh-huh. Well, what I've got here... Is it my pass? Two passes... Told ya. ...for New York City Comic Con for this coming Saturday. One That's day so passes... Exciting. You and um, Jess are going to have a great time. Well, actually, I'm taking you because it's your early birthday present. Um, Get out. And and we're going to have the opportunity to spend the whole day with our people. It's not celebration. <laughs> Someday we'll get to celebration, but we're going to be with the Star Wars fans and the comic book fans and all the people who um, are our people. Fans, DC yeah. fans are in there, too. There's all a ton the of them. All those cool people. And I, I don't know if they'll do it this year, but I've been once before in my life. And one of the things that was a real treat was um, they don't have like a cafeteria in the building, but they invite a whole bunch of different New York City food trucks and they all park outside in an enclosed space. And you can just go kind of food truck to food truck and try all the amazing New York City food. So perhaps we'll do that for a meal or two. Can't wait. I do like a good uh, New York dining experience. Yeah, and I'm not being facetious when I say that. Like, there's so much good food there. There really is. There is, and a lot of it happens to be served out of trucks that you know move around. Every once in a while, you get to catch them. This time, they come to you. They're all going to park right outside. Yeah, it's going to be. So we're going to be next to people in cosplay, um, having uh, whatever it is that people eat out of the food trucks these days, and it's just going to be a good time. And we're going to be doing a lot of live tweeting that day. We're going to post a lot of pictures. So we're going to try to make it for anybody who can't be there. We're going to try to make it feel like you can be there and be with us. Yes. Yeah. I like that idea. And just in case Lucasfilm is listening, you know, uh, food trucks are great, you know, uh, and New York's a really terrible place to put uh, a Star Wars celebration. But Philly, Philly would be a great place. We've yes. got the Reading Terminal Market right across the street Cheese from steaks. the Convention Center. Cheesesteaks, yep. everything. Pierogies. Let's stop there. But there's a ton of great food. And there is. there's 
a, a, a lot more parking and uh oh, you yeah. know some really cool podcasters there from Broaxium. So a ton. we would love it. A ton. More than you would think. Yes. Um, more just sort of like active Star Wars creators than you would think. Father one and of, son. Father and son. One of the biggest, a guy who I went to school with, one of the biggest um, uh, lightsaber designers and producers in the whole world is here in the Philly suburbs. Um, hmm. I, I could go on, but we've got some show to get to. But yeah, just <laughs> yes, think about you it. You gave us the nice segue and I'm taking it away. By the way, you, you segued <laughs> so quickly away from all my like poor jokes that you didn't let me get to tell the name of this episode oh yeah please do please oh yeah so because we're talking about cassian and because we learned a little tidbit about cassian in this episode that was really interesting uh specifically his name before it was cassian yeah, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm gonna brace myself for this <laughs> i mean you already know it's coming because i told you all of them i should tell you the the, the fans the rest of the names i came up with and how bad sure. those were um casa noir is what we're calling this one that you know what that sounds like you get it i, I get it well <laughs> let's let's just wait a beat did you get it before i explained it to you though if you would have led with that one i maybe wouldn't have gotten it i, I mean i would have connected i guess back to cassian's actual name um yeah. and it, it is kind of dark and gritty and noir but now that i think about it it sounds like a cologne that you can get at the drugstore Ooh, that would be a terrible cologne if i think about all the smells that were probably in this show the holidays are coming up you know you are late to a get together with your family or whatever and you're like um, I, I guess i'll run into rite aid and see what they have i really want to smell like lord of the flies tonight and they have <laughs> they have a casa noir gift set with uh, -uh. Uh, a disposable razor and a and some uh -uh. cologne let's move um, on <laughs> this is making it worse i, re I immediately regret this name <laughs> I, I like it we're committed to it um we're not going to go back and edit that out so okay. th this episode's called, right. called casa noir yeah because you know casablanca was a very famous film okay i've explained it to everybody hopefully now but at the same time noir this is a bit more of a darker series right yep. all right yeah. i've explained more than i needed to hopefully everybody got it before i got to that part but how about we get to the first segment please do you want to do that Sure. Oh, wait. No, I do that. Okay. You do that. I'm trying to see if I can throw you off from your little black game. News from across the galaxy. <laughs> nope. Right on cue. That's ready to go. Um, and I, th I think we were talking about right before we hit record. Um, there's only two two pieces of news, but right. yeah, a couple, but they're meaningful pieces of yes, news. So what, what do you want to go with first? Well, you already led the segue into New York Comic Con. Let's talk about that. Yes, New York Comic Con this weekend. One of the highlights of New York Comic Con, one of the things that um, we were kind of keeping our eye out, we, we didn't know was going to happen, but we were keeping our eye out for, is there's going to be a High Republic panel. Yes. So I think the day that we're there, Saturday, 3 p.m., in one of the panel rooms, there's going to be, I think, almost all of the writers and creators who are involved in the High Republic. Yes, we had the opportunity back on Potathon Day to talk to Charles Soule. Mm -hmm. He mentioned he's going to be there, and yes. he also mentioned he couldn't share anything that he's going to share. Uh, so, or Lucasfilm would have, you know, probably stripped him of his title. Job they would have been upset. Between, yeah, they they would have been upset. Which, by the way, I just saw that he, um, who we've discussed this before, is uh, by education an attorney. And he was just hmm. a legal consultant on the television show She-Hulk. 
And so, no way. yeah, so I, I guess he lent some of that expertise to that show. Um, but anyway, uh, he said he's going to be there. He's going to announce some stuff. Could, couldn't even give us like the tiniest teaser. So whatever it is, it's big. But yeah, the important thing is that this lines up with the beginning of phase two of mm-hmm. the High Republic. And an important thing about phase two is it's not necessarily all going to be in the same time. Yeah. So, for example, the Kevin Scott series, which begins next week, I think October 12th is the day that Kevin Scott's issue number one of phase two in Marvel comes out, is 150 years before what we've been following along. And he's mentioned Jetta, Kyber Crystals. Yeah. Lots of cool stuff is going to be going on there. So, so is it, I think if my math is right, this is 250 years before uh, Phantom Menace? That that sounds right. Don't hold think, me to it. Okay. I can't remember every detail of the of the higher public, but it's all been good so far. So I'm looking forward to what's next. Uh speaking of which, uh one of the the first entries into uh this the second phase of the high republic is going to be justine ireland's book that is coming out on october 4th i've got the name of it right here let me just flip my page um it's called the path of deceit a young adult novel um there was an excerpt of it that was dropped online which i actually haven't had the chance to read yet so i'm going to go read it right after i'm done recording no me either um, and uh but but from the little details that i gathered it sounds sounds interesting so uh so yeah they're getting started pretty quickly with that and then they'll drop more details of what's to come this saturday for us um i would imagine that they'll live stream it somewhere or like make it available in some way at you know for those who can't be there like they did that with uh a lot of the lucasfilm um panels or all i mean i'm thinking of a star wars celebration at least like tons of stuff with star wars celebration was streamed online so i would hope that they will do the same for this one if they haven't announced that already but uh, i'd like to at least share what we learn with you yeah what we can share we'll we'll do our best to bring you along um and highlight all the cool stuff but uh we'll also let you know if there's just a live stream and then you know we can all kind of jump in and watch it together but yeah we plan to be there um and we'll try to We'll, we'll try to take away all the important stuff and bring it back to you as soon as possible. Yes. Was there anything else from the High Republic other than that? I mean, uh, the only other thing with New York Comic Con was that it sounds like there's going to be a lot of exclusives, like there always are, that you can get while you're yeah. while you're there. Um, I was looking at a few of them. I, I probably will grab for Chris. He'll probably jump in on the recording in just a second and be like, "You better grab this for me." Um, the Funko Pop of Anakin Skywalker that they... he said he said he wants two. He wants two, which means I have to get three because I'm getting one too. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll get you two, Chris. I guess you can bring a bag. I mean, if you can cosplay and bring in all that stuff, you can bring a backpack, right? Oh, sure. And if you don't, hey, thank you for the segue again. And if you can't get a backpack in there, you could always buy a backpack because they're going to be selling a lot of Star Wars backpacks. Mm. Like I looked at, there were like four or five different variants of them. You're one of them right. Was like Ahsoka. The other one was like a, a Obi Wan and stuff. So they looked like there were a lot of really cool backpacks yeah and and you know what they did is some of them um like remember they had the boba fett jacket came out i think I for columbia sportswear maybe yes um it wasn't like it was the colors of boba fett it was recognizable once um well it was recognizable for us as as kind of like super fans but like yeah. the average person on the street might not notice that it has anything to do with star wars there's like one or two backpacks that are like that and then the other ones are, are very obviously just super cool star wars backpacks oh yeah um 
yeah, yeah, yeah like, say, this one has like a rebel insignia like one of them at least does like yeah. right in the middle of the backpack like if you can't you don't miss know, it like, the star wars backpack at that point like you, you don't know what star wars is <laughs> <laughs> and then right? I, I saw like the details are nice like we're, like yes look, we're not getting paid to talk about this but the details of these backpacks are nice <laughs> one of them on the inside maybe all of them um like within the stitching had the star wars logo and things like that it seems like they they um a lot of good details but um, it, it ton... made me wish that I had a backpack or a reason to use a backpack right now. Cause I don't oh, really, I, I use one for work all the time. Yeah. Oh really? I use a mm -hmm. messenger bag. Okay. All right. Well that, that's one way to do it. <laughs> wow. I feel a lot of judgment coming from that. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Am I doing I, it wrong? <laughs> I, I just ordered a new backpack, a new Yon sport backpack. <laughs> <laughs> okay I got that. Oh, okay. You're you're starting to get into the dad jokes. Yeah, um, I guess so. Um, I am a cat dad, but um, how about cute. the other piece of news? Yeah. Well, was there anything else from Comic Con? I, I've kind of read it. There's a bunch of stuff. We'll we'll uh, we'll yep. share more as we go. We're definitely going to stop by the Lucasfilm table. Maybe one other quick thing. Uh, if if you're there and you'd like to connect, we're going to bring a big stack of Starbros Braxium stickers, and we will be giving them out. So it'd be nice to meet you take a picture, shake your hand, whatever, give you a bunch of stickers and just sort yep. of enjoy the whole atmosphere together. Yeah, totally. All right. We can get to the other piece of news now. I delayed yes. us for that one. No, go for um, it. This one's sad. Kind of. Kind of, sort of. But expected. So everybody knows that uh, in Obi-Wan, we were blessed with the wonderful talents and voice once again of James Earl Jones, um, who does this one guy that you might have heard of called Darth Vader. Have you mm -hmm. heard of him? He's definitely I've... top 50 character for sure. <laughs> top 50. <laughs> he barely cracked it or something. What? Oh my gosh. Um, he's in the top five. Let's just at least say that. Like he'd have to be in the top five of all time, right? He, he's a he's a top one or two character. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about like all cinema too. Like, oh yeah. Fan of this yeah. Thing. Our, our list, he's top, but yeah. uh no it's fantastic the work that he's done throughout his career I, what is he like 91 he's like i can't remember his exact age right now but it's 90s i'm pretty sure yeah and and that's that's the thing that i think is you know a little bit bittersweet about it is like he's he's at a point in his life where he can look back and say wow what a ride this has been wonderful the 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 part that um kind of takes the edge off of the sadness for me is that he was very clear uh, and I guess whenever they were kind of wrapping up his deal with Disney Lucasfilm, he was very clear that he wants them to 91 years old. Wow. Uh, Just um, to... God bless him. Uh, he's very clear <laughs> that he, he, he wants it. Yeah, that's a good guess uh, that he wants them to continue to use what, what the re-speecher technology that Lucasfilm has, which means... Yeah. They've basically got his voice to continue to reuse. It's not just going to be him standing at the mic, but I, I just think it's been a wonderful ride. And I, I, I appreciate um, that the fandom has different opinions on things sometimes and different takes on things sometimes, but I think they've always loved. We have always, all of us have loved hearing James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. And I always go back to that. That was a thing. Remember the story about how he went and recorded it and he like ate lunch at home and told his wife he'd be back in a little bit. Two hours later, he was home. He ate dinner at home and, and, that ended up being Darth Vader. That ended up being Star Wars. And it was just, it was amazing. just a gig. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So you never know. You never know what it's going to take off. But um, we are tremendously grateful to James Earl Jones for all he has done for the Star Wars saga. Um, he, he's he will always be I, the voice of Darth Vader. 
we forgot the tagline of all that. He's retiring. He's he's not going anywhere. He's just retiring as the voice of Darth Vader, right? right. Like, yeah. Let's just be clear on that. Um, and and it's it's an amazing career, like you were saying, like all the things that, that was forty five years character. ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, not just for the character, but for other characters too. I mean, we've heard of this other guy, Mufasa. That's pretty good too. You know. Um, that's true. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, we're, we're just talking about Darth Vader, but it, it would take us a, a whole episode to just to read through his resume probably. Yeah, exactly. So, but I'm, I'm glad he's going out on his own terms. It feels a little bit like, I mean, end of an era, right? Uh, John Williams sure. kind of did the same thing and was just like, Hey, this is my one contribution. And then I'm, I'm kind of done. Um, and then he's like dabbled and come back a little bit since then because, no person with that amount of talent could could really like ride off into the sunset and never write another song again, you know? <laughs> no, no, that's um, just what he does. He, he's not yeah. going to stop writing music. And and uh, I'm sure James Earl Jones is not going <laughs> to stop being creative in some way. Do you uh, like the idea of his voice coming back and stylized or, you know, mechanic mechanized what it was, the word that I'm looking for? Uh, done mechanically. Yeah, yeah, mechanized, I guess. Is that how you pronounce it? It sounds dumb. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I usually have some difficulty with words, so I'm not the right guy to ask. But um, That's why I was like, McCann, what? And do you like the idea of that? Um, I, I, I think of, like, I think back to the George Lucas direction that he gave his people about the main characters of Star Wars. And he always talks about how they got to have a recognizable silhouette. We've talked about this yeah. before. And if you think about like Darth Vader, Yoda, some of the core characters, they do have a recognizable silhouette. And I just yeah. feel like Darth Vader has that voice. And that is the Darth Vader voice. And, and anything else where you try to mess with it at all too much and fans are going to feel it and it's going to take away the credibility of that experience and... I just think if if we want to continue to see Darth Vader in anything, then if the technology's to the point where we can use it to have him do the talking in the way that we would reckon, just let, let's go with it. Let, let, I, I I don't I don't have any beef with him, and yeah. I think I think James Earl Jones is going to continue to get paid for that, so it works out for everybody. <laughs> True. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And you know, I I kind of I'm kind of one of two minds on this. Like, I totally do it if it works and if it you know yeah can convince the average person that it's not a machine that's doing right. it i'm not talking about the person that knows for sure this news that he's retired and he's not coming back and so they know it's not him i'm right. talking about someone who just doesn't know any of this any background is like yeah that sounds just like that like the new hope same thing right um if it can convince that person i'm good but what i will say is I feel like we've gotten so much of his story that there shouldn't be too many examples where we'll see this happen. I yeah. mean, it might be just like uh, maybe a little like bit here flashes a bit of a, like a, a sure. split second moment or something, a line, but yeah, there's not going to be another, uh, a whole Darth Vader like, series. It's not what we're talking about. Season two of Obi-Wan where the whole entire time you see him on screen is, you know, it's a, it's a mechanical voice, right? So I don't, I'm not really worried about it. Uh, if it comes back and it's the right part of the story, that's all that matters to me. Um, and if it works, so yep. that's all I'll say. Cool. Um, cool. I think that's it for the news. Like we said, there's not much we talked not too long ago. And the biggest piece of news is Cassian. Cassian is dropped. 
We've gotten four episodes, the first three in the first week, as promised. So let's just talk about that. Let's jump into it. Let's get into our next segment, which is called Maul to the Story. Dun, 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 dun. You kind of, the internet must have flickered just a little bit. Oh, it did? It went more and then it paused. Oh. <laughs> and then to the story. So I, I laughed and like, perfect timing. <laughs> I, I went I went through it. We, we got the whole jingle in. We don't have to redo it or anything. But yeah, um, we, we got four episodes. So I think when when it was first announced, I think we were expecting it earlier than we got it. I think we were expecting yes. to get it um, in August. August, right? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm glad when it finally came out that we got those first three episodes. I mean, that was a pretty stacked Wednesday to be able to get all of that. Um, but it did seem yeah. like a little bit of a wait. Um, but and, and now that we've seen all three of them back to back to back, I'm glad they did that. I was yes. I would have been worried of people getting lost after the second one. Be like, okay. Where is this going, people? Like, it's a little bit slower and stuff. Sure. And, and I'm fine with that. Like, build it out. There are reasons why I'm glad they did it that way, and we'll talk about it later. But are you glad that they dropped all three at once? And do you think that made oh, it yeah. work better? Oh yeah, and 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 not just from the perspective of like I'm I'm like a, a Star Wars binger. Like, if you gave me the whole season, uh, I probably would have sat through a lot of the whole first season without sleeping. Um, <laughs> But I, I thought that those first three episodes did work really well together because there were some um, slow kind of plot development moments, character development moments where it wasn't clear how the dots connected just yet. Um, there was exposition. They were building things up a little bit. And and there's this yeah. whole kind of like jumping around and um, the development of Cassian, especially like this is like the first three episodes. That's like a deep background story. Um, yeah, well, because they had to explain why he's been in this fight since he was six years old. And and we people, got that people are hung up on that line. People are like, e e that seems pretty young, dude. Like, what's the story? And so we had to jump back in time. And um, I think I think that this is like a, a deep background development story that it's not just the path to him becoming uh, a, a hero of the Rebel Alliance. Um it's the story of the development of the rebel Alliance and it's all kind of in the context of stuff that we know. Uh, but I, I, I also uh, just thought like, okay, getting this all together at once felt cinematic too. It felt like I was watching yeah. a movie yeah. and, and I wonder how much of this is meant to be experienced like a movie and yep. a, a very long movie when it's done. And, and episode four is the longest one yet. So not sure how long the whole thing's going to be when it's done, but it did feel like I was sitting down to watch a movie and it felt like it worked that way for me what worked was uh we'll talk about cassie in a second but the fact that they they made it longer i just said we would get to this later and i'm getting to it now um but they spent the time developing all of the stage characters yes um, you got a lot of of bix you got a lot of tim you got a lot of uh <clears throat> a little bit of marva right and uh all of these characters oh cyril you know and the whole um corporate mm -hmm. uh group over there and all of that was really important to set the stages for some of the stuff I believe we're still going to get later. But second, because at the very end of uh, the third episode, uh, one of the things I really liked was as they uh, Cassian was leaving the planet, they were panning around to everybody and showing them like all the people they had introduced. And you felt a little bit more of a connection to them because they weren't just like a face in passing or someone yep. with a few lines. Yep. Like they had whole scenes and interactions with Cassian. You saw how they connected to him as a character. And 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 I think we're going to go back to Ferrix later on in this series. Like if you go back to the trailers, like there there seems to be more action there than what we 
uh, have gotten so far. So I would imagine that this is all trying to just show how personal of a connection that yep. Cassian has to these characters. And I felt that I, I felt that more because they spent the time in episodes one and two and three, uh, you know, showing his connection and building them as characters, you know, Bix and Tim the most, right? Their relationship and how it was, how it goes from like this, you know, you can tell that it, it's not a paradise or anything, you know, just yet. And there's some trust issues, especially for Tim. And, um, and then, you know, where it ends up like with, <laughs> You know, Big's very mad at Tim, and then the next second she's witnessing his death. Like it, it was, it's yes. very deep. It's very rough, and and you don't feel it's brutal. That impact. Yeah, brutal is the right word for it. it. You don't feel that impact though if it doesn't spend the time developing it. True, true, and 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 I think uh, I think something that's interesting about this particular one, um, this particular Star Wars show is, I think it was the way it was described when they were kind of teasing it was. Um, it's going to be a Star Wars show in the Star Wars universe, but without the royal family of Star Wars, without Jedi, things yeah. like that. Without um, the Skywalkers. Yeah. And so you kind of, even though we had this Rogue One movie, you have to spend a bunch of time getting to know people. Um, uh, a couple of things on the characters real quick. First, Tim, not the most creative Star Wars name. We are going to file that away with Ben and No, Luke. you add another M to it, and it's fine. <laughs> You're right. You did add another M, so it's 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 spacey all of a sudden. Um, but, you know, who uh, am I to judge? All the people named Tim out there are like, hey. I know, I know. It's a fine name. You put it, it Star it's, Wars. it's a fine name, and you can add another M to it, and all what of a sudden you're on Ferrix. <laughs> Randy, Randy, the jealous dude on Ferrix. <laughs> we wouldn't have been able to use that joke anymore. I haven't been like, why are you talking about Randy? Yeah, great character. Right. Um, Cyril, Cyril's a, a guy's name, right? It's like an old baseball player name, but Cyril's yeah, name. not as common, or not anything. as common. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, but uh, getting away from names a little bit. So I wanted to say something about, uh, B2 emo also known mm. as B2 or B or just uh, B for short. Yep. Or just B. Yep. And, and I, I think, by the way, I think there's a B Funko that's on the list of New York Exclusive. city exclusives. Mm -hmm. So I might be getting that because one of the He's kind of won me over. Um, so I just wanted to, I wanted to give props to the B2 emo guy, Dave Chapman. Um, you know Dave Chapman's work. Do you know what else he's done for Star Wars? I know the name. Gosh dang it. What is it? Uh, he is by trade. So he's a voice actor and a puppeteer. And so he has done the voice and the puppeteer work for both BB-8 and BB-9E. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> he, that, he, that is where I've heard it from. Okay. Thank you. He was one of the main puppeteers and and TLJ when Yoda appears again. Spoiler if you haven't seen it. Um, in the last Jedi, when when Yoda appears, he's one of the main puppeteers working Yoda. Um, five years, come on, it's been a, yeah, it's five years, yeah. Uh, and then uh, two other interesting Star Wars Star Wars characters who he was the primary puppeteer in, Lady Proxima. Oh, okay. And yeah. Rio Durant. Oh, really? And this is the guy who's doing B2. He's got a pretty good That's Star pretty Wars cool. pedigree, doesn't he? That's a great pedigree. Yeah. yeah. I like the use of the word pedigree. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. Good, good shout out to him. And and like you said, the, the every uh series for Star Wars like has to introduce maybe a new kind of uh droid. Like it just feels obligatory at this point. Like if I, we don't get one, it's weird. I, I think I think it does feel obligatory. And I think one of the practical things about it is we've learned from R2 and C3PO that they can cross the boundaries of time and show yeah. up in different parts of the saga and different parts of the story because they're not mortal beings. And so who knows? We we may yeah. have 
be two forever. But then again, you know, maybe I mean, there's a reason. He we... seems like he's at the end of his reserves, though. I mean, you saw the flashback with him on the ship, and he was nice yep. and pristine. And then you just flash, flash, fast forward, what twenty years or so, and he's beat he's up, been through it. Different parts that don't match anymore. Like yep. he's been through a lot, and he talks. I love his lines, and that's what makes him so. Um, Amiable is that the word I can use? Like amiable at the beginning. Amiable. Sorry, I'm speak. I'm missing the French word for it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's just one of those lines that he has make him a lot more uh friendly. I think at the beginning where he's talking about how he might have enough power reserves to to lie, but then when Cassian gives him two, he's like, "That's two. Like it immediately makes him nervous. Like yes. Um, and and just. I don't know. That it just makes him so like people just love him right off the bat because of those fun jokes, but also because you you kind of see that he's a struggling droid and like life has not been easy on him or it mm. isn't at this point. And so you feel for him a bit. Oh, totally. Totally. But um so, let, let's get into the story a little bit. And one of the things that I like to do with this stuff is figure out where it is in the timeline. Um so we saw Rogue One. Rogue One takes place about 20 years after Revenge of the Sith. And that is about, uh, what do we call it? Five years before A New Hope. Mm -hmm. This timeline also happens to intersect with, and some people are speculating, maybe this will lead to some crossover stuff. Um, This timeline happens to intersect with Rebels. Yes, and some True. people have said that they think that one of the ships on Ferrix in the dock looks a the lot ghost. Like, like the ghost. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Um, to, to, I didn't uh, catch the glimpse of it. So I'll trust the other Eagle Eye viewers out there to, to catch that one and, and love it. There's tons of Easter eggs in this. Uh, tons. Uh, we can and, get to other ones later, but. And, and people said that there spare. wouldn't be. People said that there wouldn't be, but but maybe the ghost is there. And then the other yeah. one um, is Ochi. Ochi of Bastoon ship, apparently. There a ship that really looks like that might be there. So um, but yeah, let, let's let's where would you like to begin in terms of the story itself? Um on Canari. Let's, let's talk about Canari for a okay. second here. Because to me, this was um this is what a lot of people were talking about was how cool it was that they were showing like these other people of the Star Wars universe. Like you said, this isn't the story of the Skywalker family. Right. Um and and you know we've we've kind of gotten glimpses of other people and lifestyles and things like that. Like I think of Jetta as an example of one where we kind of see all like these pilgrims and people that are are kind of like in this city that's from a past time, you know. And and um, and Ferrix is another example of that to me. But we never really went as far back as like looking at villagers. Like the only thing that was as, as, as remotely close to this remote. See what I did there. Um, that was remotely close. You don't see it. Never mind. They live remotely. Sorry. Um, was uh, from Mandalorian season two. I think it was uh, episode six. It was the Believer episode where they're passing by all those like villagers that are outside the uh, um, that Imperial base. That uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. That I don't even remember uh, what what were they going to steal? They're oh they were going to steal the coordinates for um, Moff Gideon's ship. Right? Yes. Yep. Um, and they're passing by the villagers as they mm-hmm. go. And, uh, and and one of the things that struck me about that was like, oh, I, I want to know more about these people and what their story is, how they're connected to the to the Empire and what they think of the, um, you know, installing themselves on their planet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's what we got of Canari was a bit more of like, let's dive into this. Everyone is comparing it to House of the uh, Lord of the Flies. Right. And 
and and how it feels like this uh you know this tribe that's out there that has no connection to the story and just gets pulled in accidentally um and the best part about it was that they didn't translate their language i mm. loved that yes. i know people were like where are the captions and they're like going to see like is there a problem with my captions when i turn the captions on all it says is speaking canary <laughs> <laughs> that's cool i didn't even try um I, I thought it was a really cool dramatic effect and i and i looked into it and here's here's a couple of interesting things about the language itself so that was a very deliberate decision obviously like they could have thrown some captions in but we we're all kind of able to follow along in terms of like the emotion and like the urgency at certain points things like that like we kind of got the right context clues yeah um fiona shaw who plays marva who is uh casting andor's kind of adoptive mother uh, mm -hmm. In an interview said that Canari is a language, a, a real language with grammar and a ton of different words. And it was created for this show. So cool. And they only taught it to the kids. So, so cool. nobody, no adults on set because it's sort of like this planet of these poor orphan kids um, interacting with these other people who are outsiders and, and literally nobody on the set. No, nobody can understand what they were saying, but these kids had their own language, which probably created this vibe, right? Of like them making, making them feel like even more sort of insulated or, or different or, or whatever else. This, um, this is a series that is officially Tolkien approved. <laughs> yes. Tolkien. <laughs> well, the cartoon right? said something like, how do you start writing a story? And somebody's like, I don't know the outline, whatever. And he's no, you must write a whole language from scratch. And that's what they did with uh, the Canary language, whatever, yes. whatever they're calling it. Um, I love that. I didn't know that the, all that detail. So I appreciate you sharing that. Super but I, cool, right? Super cool. Yeah. Um, I I think that they need to do stuff like that more often. Um, and one oh, of my please. first yes. thoughts was, and, and I kind of shared this in other venues and uh, you know, got a couple of reactions, but is this a language that C-3PO knows? Yes, I you mentioned would, that to me. I don't know what your answer is, and I'm going to beat you to and give mine. I would say no. And here's why. This is such a remote people that there are very few people that even speak it in the galaxy. Like, no, people don't really know what this planet is and who they are. Like, a few other times they show people who are like Canari. Like, whenever, when they issued the the notice to to get Cassian. Um, yeah, they're like, well, uh, where the heck is Canari. that? Most yeah. people are like, I don't know this place, right? So yeah. I don't think it's well known enough for it to be. I mean, then other people could say, well, he knows six million forms of communication. And I would respond to you like, yeah, but this, it's a big galaxy. So there's billions of planets probably in this galaxy. It's got to be somebody who doesn't know. Yeah, I, I don't think he knows it. Um, I'd be really surprised. And it sounds like um, it sounds like whoever's been mining that planet, it looks like they've basically almost stripped it clean. There's probably not much yeah. left. And so there's probably not much reason for people to go there and interact with those people, the people, the poor people who are left behind. Um, which I think that that's a real criticism of some things that have happened in real life in our world uh, yeah. of, of how those poor kids are treated. Um, but I don't think C3PO knows that language that probably maybe may in a future update now that it's getting popular. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't think he knew that one, but here's something else that was interesting that I found in some of my research. Um, so the ship that crashes and the kids start interacting with the ship and they're all freaked out and they're all kind of like armed up and ready to go. Um, yep. Did you notice the logos on the ship? Uh, Separatist. Yes. Yeah. There's the Confederacy of Independent Systems and they, mm -hmm. um, they, they will probably become separatists. Um, mm. So that's an interesting 
angle there too, that their mm-hmm. first interaction with these people, not the nicest people. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and there that is Cassie Andors, who's then at that, at this point, just Cass, um, or Casa, 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 yeah. um, that is how he's kind of pulled in to the rebellion. He's pulled mm-hmm. in by Marva and some people online were critical about this. Like he didn't have a choice in that. They just picked him up and they dragged him into this life. Uh, and it's something that but her seems- reasoning was, I mean, maybe everybody survived, you know, or, or maybe yeah. what happened was the people, uh, or, or the kids that were at the site that were kind of fighting back against the, that, um, Confederate group. Um, they, all were taken care of and for more a very terrible way to say that. Yeah. Um, and people like Casa's sister mm-hmm. were left untouched because they were, you know, miles away in, in the village still. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that she was probably justified in, in right, at least in her point of view, right. Truth in her point of view, saving him from an atrocity that she believed was coming and she had def- every reason to believe that it was coming. Right. She believed that she was saving him. And so yeah. therefore she, she was acting um, at, at, on good conscience and trying to get something good to happen. But, you know, some people are a little bit critical of like, hmm, yeah, it's not something he picked for himself. Again, but, though, if, if, if there was reason to be critical, don't you think he would be the first to be critical as the character who was adopted I, I later think so. on? Like they had a good relationship. So. Um, I think so. But, but maybe let's jump to, uh, kind of uh, thinking about our, our buddy Cyril and yes, and or side by side, because I think, you know, there it's like the, the, I think it's sort of like Mr. Glass and uh, what's his name in unbreakable, that unbreakable, fantastic yeah. M-, M night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. Um, I keep wanting to say uh, Bruce Wayne, but that's Batman for anybody who doesn't know. What's that guy's because name? Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis, Bruce Willis, yeah. whatever his character's name is, um, yeah. you know, Mr. Glass is always kind of looking for uh, his, the antidote to whatever, you know, darkness he's bringing into the world. Yeah. Um, there's some weird parallels between those two. And uh, the, yeah. the, the one that stands out to me the most that I, I didn't arrive at, but somebody online pointed out to me was um, when Cass, when Cassian comes home on Ferrix to Marva, she knows that he's wanted a, a wanted man. She she starts out, you know, did, have you told anybody you're from uh, Canary? Things like like she's pretty upset mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. What happens when Cyril goes home to his mom? She opens the door and she slaps him across the face. Yes. Both of them have these weird homecoming things to their mothers where their moms are not happy to see them for whatever reason. Um, mm. And I think these parallels are going to continue to play out where they're very, they're running off in very different directions in this world um, or in this galaxy, but they're both, you pointed out, they, they both have their ambitions. Yes. And so they're, they're, they're looking to accomplish quite a bit, but, but not nearly in the same direction. Um, Cyril is out to make a name for himself. And you can tell that from his, the way he goes about, uh, you know, defying orders, you know, even though, there was a lot of justification for why he defied them. Like he doesn't really like that. He's being told to ignore two potential murders and, and that just doesn't sit well with him. So you got to tip your hat to that, to trying to do what's right. And in trying to do what's right, like he's, he's stripped of everything. Um, Gosh. I mean, there were some, like you wanted to hate him because he was chasing after the hero in this, but at the same time, like this would have been the hero in many other stories. This would have been like, 
I don't know, RoboCop or, you know, <laughs> can't think of a good like yes, parallel of like a, a Starsky and Hutch, you know, like, it you're really totally like right. Starsky and Hutch with, with uh, the Linus Moss guy. Like he was he was hilarious. I, I loved him. <laughs> and he's the one who brought us our first cuss word, like really bad one. <laughs> yes. Yep. And in, in Star Wars, which we won't say because this is still a friend, family friendly podcast. It still is. And it will continue to be. <laughs> um, but uh yeah, so he he he. You're right. If you carve out a lot of uh, everything else that we know about this universe, like it seems like he's acting on a good impulse. Like, yeah, how, how can you look past a couple of your coworkers being killed uh, in cold blood? Um, make up a story to cover it up that's semi heroic or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So I I don't I don't blame him for a lot of that stuff. But that you also get all these signals pretty early on that it's like this guy's exhausting. Like he mm. he tailored his own uniform to have it fit better. Um, like little, little, little things like that. Or I'm just like, like I'm rolling my eyes watching this guy and I think you're supposed to. Um, but you know what else I thought was interesting about him when they really get into it on Ferrix and he's, you know, holed up in, in uh, one of these buildings and Andor comes up with him, comes up behind him and puts the gun to the back of his head. Yeah something tells me about that moment and when they see the explosions and stuff like that he i don't think he has a lot of real experience with this stuff no i don't i don't think he i think he threw himself into it maybe not expecting it to be quite as gory to lose people all that yeah. stuff um but that i think that's hard to come back from too like yeah. why, like why why would you just walk away from corpo um, and, and all that stuff. Like, how, how can you just let that stuff go? Like, it seems to me like that really solidified him as a villain for a big part of the story going forward. It, I don't, I, you think it cemented him as a villain? I do. I, I disagree. I, well, I mean, I'll be the first to say that I'm wrong if this goes the other way, but I think this is the seeds of a rebellion uh, of someone who wants to rebel. Okay. All right. That I, that's, Potentially. I, I like your idea better. So here's why. Here's some of the reasons why. And I think what makes it key is episode four. We don't get much of them. I mean, at the very end of his failed attempt to capture Cassian at the end of episode three, he's just awestruck. He just can't even fathom that he's lost. Yep. And it's literally his army of a dozen plus guys going up against two at first he thought it was one and then it was two, but he still got the advantage and he loses outright, like gets out smart, everything um, underestimates the town and their involvement, which was amazing. The way that they were banging on the, the, you know, making all that noise and things like that, which I can't remember where I read, but I think I read somewhere like that was inspired from, um, from some actual like real life cultures. I can't, but again, I can't, since I don't remember exactly where I'm not going to try to quote it. You, you um, know what you? else that's inspired from? Um, I, I saw that too. I'm, I'm not sure about the, the banging on the pots and stuff, but at one point the guy who, the, the, the guy who cusses and I, I can't remember, uh, that Linus, Linus, Linus Mosk. Um, that character at one point says something, I think over the, um, over this, the, over the radio that they've taken down all the street signs. So they're not sure where they are. And that has been a tactic in conflicts for a long time when a place is being invaded. In fact, when Russia was invading Ukraine, that's one of the things that like all the local municipalities said, like, take down all your street signs. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say so Belgium back in like the, or Brussels specifically back in like the I don't know, whatever, 15th, 16th century that it was being that it was built. Uh, 
maybe before, maybe after I'm probably missing it by a century or two. Um, all of the roads were constructed so that they didn't go directly into the center of the city. They were like kind of off at an angle. Cause so it made it too almost, easy to invade. No, I guess the, to make it more disorienting. So they didn't know how to get to the center. So they didn't know how to go oh. and like capture city hall, you know, and got it. And so um, they, the way the roads are constructed, you can literally look at a map of, of Brussels and see none of the roads really go to the center. They always kind of go off at an angle. And so see what, what that does is it makes it so that the people who have lived there for years know how to get around. Oh, yeah. If you're, if you're just trying to run in and take over, it's a little bit harder. Just Ooh, one, one, yeah. one more hurdle. So I, I think that was part of it. But Until Satnav was introduced, as they like to say in our English and Australian countries. <laughs> <laughs> uh, GPS. And then it was like, okay, now they can get to the center pretty easily. <laughs> now they can. Um, um, but, yeah. but, but so anyway, my point, though, on Cyril um, was – he he had this terrible ordeal, right? Again, he thinks he's being the good guy. And frankly, if the story was told a different way, he probably is painted as the good guy. Um, we just see him as this overambitious uh, imperial aligned officer who yep. has, uh, you know, aspirations to do more within uh, the, the imperial side of the equation. And so we treat him as a bad guy. Yeah. But what makes him feel a little bit more real is when he goes home. And if, if you caught this, I think, I think this is Coruscant. Is it not? It's got to be. Yeah, I think it is. They because didn't have he, like a flash or anything, but I well, go ahead. He went from I think one of the agency offices on Coruscant um, back to his mom's place on Coruscant. I, th yes. I think it's it's all the same planet. I think so. Not just that, but when he how did he get to his mom's place? He took the elevator and he took it down a lot of levels to the point where you didn't really see sunlight very much anymore. And, and that's it a thing. We've, we've talked about that. The, the yeah. higher up you are, yeah. like Padme's apartment is yeah. probably really posh and expensive. It looks nice, right? Mm -hmm. um, the Cyril's of the world, their moms probably live in, in a different place. And it, that, that informs his perspective on life, right? And can you imagine this boy growing up in that area, in the, the lower levels of Coruscant, just going, I want to get out of this. I want to live a better life for myself. And, and, and he left home, obviously not on good terms with his mom. That's why he, he was greeted the way that he was. And it was cold and, and everything. But a mom never stops loving her son. So you saw her eventually embrace him. Um, but I think that's all a, a big expose into his character. And that's why I figured if he comes back, he's coming back for revenge. And it's not going to be against the people that, that outsmarted uh, him. It's going to be against the people who didn't see what he was trying to do there, that he was disobeying all his officer's orders because there was a reason to do that. And he was being ambitious, but didn't have the right crew. And so he's, I would imagine he's pretty upset at the I, Imperials at this I, point. See, I don't know. I'm struggling with that a little bit. And I think we'll find out uh, a bit more in the next episode. But part of me is like, um, he might now kind of, I, I can't find a better word. He might go rogue himself. And he might be so committed to taking out this Cassian Andor guy out of revenge, out of spite. Could be because, yeah. Because he he has lost so much now. Now the the pre Oxmorlana corporate independent affiliate zone is now under permanent imperial authority. He even lost the place, like it. it, it he he lost his people, his job, which seems like it was his identity. But um, he's not going to be welcomed back with the Imperials anytime soon. 
He's not. So I, I think he's sort of like a rogue guy who is a complicating factor for Cassian because he just can't let it go. But isn't that Cassian? Be... Like Cassian's the rogue guy. He could be That's pals with That's what I'm them. saying. I think there's parallels between these guys. I know. I like that. But it's a conflicting parallel where they're kind of they're, they're I think they have similar emotional kind of setups and um and stuff and i think they're gonna i think they're gonna butt heads again but i just um, i'm rooting for him now though i just like him too much now after seeing what uh, seeing episode four that i'm hoping that i don't have to root against him again <laughs> I, I i hope you're right i hope you're right but um, we'll see we'll see well we I, talked a lot about cyril <laughs> we did and i think he's a really important character and i think people are having very strong reactions to him on yeah. the interwebs but um yes. let, let, let's talk about luthan Yes, Luthen is a key character in the story um, and is key to Cassian's origin story as being part of the Rebel Alliance. And we meet him in sort of like a like a really kind of like typical tough guy, kind of cold and calculated way he sort of marches in. He's not really afraid of anything. They're supposed to have this exchange where he's going to buy this box from. Um, and I don't even know what this thing is. Not exactly. Um it's going to buy this box star path from... unit. Yeah. The star path unit. Yeah. I, I looked it up. Hold on a second. I looked it up to see exactly what it was. One second. It was a, what a nerd. <laughs> Be quiet. I know it's painful. <laughs> um, it's an untraceable NS nine star path unit. Uh -huh. um, and it's, says... I thought, I thought the NS tens were better. A um, couple different upgrades. We can talk about that. <laughs> Whatever. <time>. Um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's specifically designed to track imperial coordinates for nine radial parsecs. So what that means is it can tell tell you exactly where other imperial ships are located within That's a certain radius. That's I'm valuable. I'm glad you looked that up. Yeah, I'm yes. glad you looked, I can see why somebody would want. I can see why anybody would want that if they don't. It, like the it Empire. can give the enemy all your positions Very within cool. within their, your vicinity. Like that's a big deal, right? A big deal. Um, so. That's what but it so, is. So Luthen is the guy who uh, makes contact with him. And it's not super clear to me how he sort of picked him out or anything. But he gets there. He gets to Ferrix. I have a theory. I have a theory. But keep going. Okay. He, he gets to Ferrix. He, uh, they, en they end up in a sticky situation. They end up getting off of Ferrix. And there begins the negotiation to pull him into this budding version of the, of the rebellion. Yeah. And there's where I think another really good contrast comes into place where it's like... Um, I, I wrote this down because it's a little bit complicated, but uh, what we're seeing on Coruscant a little bit from the Empire side is we're seeing the ISB, um, which is a sister uh, organization to the Imperial uh, Intelligence Organization, which Orson Krennic was a part of, yep. um, which is also part of or under the umbrella of the Commission for Security of the New Order, also known as Compor. Um, which is also related to Inquisitorius, that organization, which we know well from the Kenobi show. So yeah. contrast that with these people who are on the side of like a, a rainy hill somewhere, like six or seven people who aren't super well organized, have a little bit of money to work with, have a little bit of support. Um, but remember that this is the same time period as Rebels. Yeah. So one of the things that comes out early on in the Rebel series is this rebellion thing is just like patch little pockets. Little pockets all over the place. And then again, yeah. and compare that to the Empire where it's like everything's got acronyms already. They're uniforms and it's just like super bureaucratically structured and stuff like that. And so that's kind of what hit me from episode four was like it makes everything that follows in Star Wars more impressive because it just it seems like the Empire 
20 ish years after it just seems like so well organized and whatever. And it seems like the rebellion is just scraping. by. It seems like that because the one, the emperor runs a tight ship. And secondly, he's had a long time to plot this and, and everything. And he pulls his best, the best of the best that were in the Republic at that time to yeah. make his empire. So yeah, they're really well together, but you have to remember like the, the galaxy is in a, a fickle place. It's a really delicate, uh, to try to maintain that order, but also to do it with such a, uh, you know, a nascent group. So yeah. I think the rebellion has its advantage because they're just coming in of their own, you know, to, in of uh, trying to build their own thing too at the same time. So, but, but I think the empire does have its leg up. I mean, they have the death star. So that helps. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, anyway, and, and and they're capable of building the Death Star, which is right. not something they that the resources. Could, yeah, which not isn't, isn't something they could even imagine. But um, so Cassian goes into this uh, as Clem, which was his adoptive father's name. And Ooh. yes, so know. yeah, um, and I can't remember. I think I think maybe Marva says it to Clem when they're collecting him. Um, but yeah, Clem, Clem is the name he takes. And again, I think this mm. this one. After all that action, all that craziness from episode three, it felt like episode four was another little bit of like a building episode. Yeah. Of um, we're going to we're going to start to, you know, heat things up a little bit. And episode five, six and so on, things are going to explode again. But yeah. Um, but yeah. So what, what was your take on where we're leaving off on episode four? Because I know that we are coming up on time because we're running a pretty tight episode this time around. We are. Yeah. So a, a couple of my theories, I guess, where this ties back to even let's go back to where this whole entire thing started. And that was Cassian is looking for his sister and he goes into a pretty shady place to find her. Yeah. We um, didn't even mention that. Yeah. Well, be, And we don't need to. Again, we'll, we'll keep this family friendly and not I mean, but they're, they are making this uh, um, a very dark and, and more adult uh, kind of series um i was fine with some of the things that they showed and, and it was more because of how they were showed like they they weren't they didn't go over the top just they were in the location and you knew where they were but they didn't really go beyond that yep um so i, I made it okay um it made it better for me i should say um but that's where we start is where he's he's looking for her sister uh, his sister and more specifically um we get the part where luthan drops a line about his father mm. and how his father died and that really sets cassian off now i'm imagining that he's talking about his birth father in this uh moment and and part of the reason is because um there's got to be something I and mean, maybe we just haven't seen enough of the canary yet and how, like how it's just all these kids maybe there's something like with their rituals maybe the kids kind of have to grow up separately on their own and then whatever they believe in their rituals and things like that um th that's the reason why they're separate maybe there is a mining accident and all the parents were kind of gone for that reason and now the kids are just left left to raise each other that, type that's thing. been that's been hinted at yeah that i could see that too um but then again like he obviously knows a little bit what he's talking about. So um, I imagine there's more to like Cassian's family coming up, including his sister. And then that can let me thinking like, how does he know this, know all of this stuff? Um, and I'm trying to find, I wrote down her name. What was the name of the, the girl in episode four um, that was at the shop with him where we get Mon Mothma for the first time. And we need to talk to her before this, this ends too. Yeah. Um, I don't recall her name. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder if, um, 
I wonder if that's his sister. Ah, uh, could be. We'll find could out. Be. But we, he's got to get his information from, from somewhere about him. Yeah. So I don't know. That was my thought. Um, and, and, and Luthen's keeping information about how he knows Cassian from her. So there mm. could be explanations. Yeah. And I, I think we'll we'll hopefully get a little bit more of that in the next episode. But I did want to point out very quickly, going back to Cassian's introduction in the series, um, something that also is a parallel or mirrors uh, Rogue One when we first meet him is it's a little bit cold blooded when we first meet him. Oh, yeah. Like it, it sort of has an opportunity just to make a run for it. But decides... we knew he was capable of that. We knew he was capable of that. But this this might have been the first ones, though. One, one of the yeah. first ones. Yeah. Um, maybe his origin is somebody who has that self-awareness of, oh, my gosh, I'm capable of hurting other people like this if I have to um, yeah. for, for the good of my mission and for the good of saving my own skin. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's let's talk about um, the wonderful Mon Mothma very quickly, who is played by Genevieve. What's her name? O'Reilly. Um, Genevieve O'Reilly. O'Reilly who... Riley. Crap. I can't remember. Yeah. I've got it written down here somewhere, but Genevieve Riley, um, O'Reilly, sorry. It is um, O'Reilly. It is O'Reilly. Genevieve O'Reilly has played Mon Mothma and looked like her um, mm -hmm. since Return yep. of the Sith. Um, also in seven episodes of Rebels yep. and in Rogue One. And she's back again. Yeah. Um, and we get to see this different side of her kind of where she is playing both sides um, in a very kind of clever way. It's, it's like a it's like a spy movie um, yeah. where she's kind of sneaking around. Uh, she Luthen is not is sneaking around. Luthen is not who he presents himself to be. Yep. yep. And uh, I, I think I think some people are kind of like doing a good job of putting this together and I just haven't dug into it. But um, as a quick aside, the shop where Luthen works has a million different Easter eggs in it. Oh, so many. Uh, Utapau, I think, was the one that was mentioned. Oh, OK. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the artifacts that or the, the the big like weapon that he that he pulled up. Um yeah, that was uh, the Utapau uh, reference there. Um, it, by the way, her name was Clea, the girl that uh, is in that uh, shop. With them. Clea. I, so I'm okay. wondering if there's a, a relationship there. Uh, um, there may be. The other one that was dropped, I, the scene with Mom Mothma and her husband was uh, difficult. Yeah. Rough. Like, yeah. she's not going to get him this present for him. She's doing it just for the rebellion. And it kind of seems like he's got his side pretty well ironed out because he's invited Sly Moore, who uh, most people be like, who the heck is that? Um, she is always with the emperor when, uh, when it was announced that, um, that the Republic would become the empire. She was mm. right by his side in that moment. She's got the creepiest look on her face. Like this is not someone you should be inviting to mm -hmm. the party of the rebel, the leader of the rebellion. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that interaction on screen when that time comes, like should be interesting um, because of that direct connection to Palpatine. Like she's, she's two degrees removed from him right now. <laughs> it's pretty close. It's pretty um, close. How many do like the degrees of Kevin Bacon? That's what I went and thought of when I said that. The degrees of Mon Mothma, the degrees yeah. of yeah. Uh, Palpatine. Yeah. But the, uh, there are some powerful moments in that just the few scenes that we got with her to start. Um, yeah, you can tell that this rebellion that she's trying to help start is uh, it's tough. And, and she's having a hard time moving funds around to support them. Luthen's having a hard time, um, you know, getting the support that he needs to his little cells that are out there. And it's um, uh, it's an interesting 
it's going to be really cool throughout this to see kind of how the rebellion forms. Like we know we're getting Saul Guerrero later. Um, you know, we're, we're going to see how difficult it is to form a rebellion and, and be a spy at this time and how Cassian plays a role in that. And expensive and how much luck it takes. And I, you know, I, you think about what it took to blow up the, the, the death star. Um, it was, you know, not only building in that vulnerability, but that million to one shot, having the force, all that stuff. Like you remove any one of those pieces and all of a sudden the whole saga goes a different way. And it feels yeah. like this is this is what we're watching here of each one of these characters, the little things that they do add up to building the foundation for the rebellion. And yeah. you take any of those away. Like if you, if you took out Luthen um, in that shootout on Ferrix, this this doesn't happen rogue one yeah. doesn't happen all that stuff and it feels like each one of these things even there even though some parts are slow it's like oh my gosh this is the backstory yeah this all these parts are critically important and also it just it's so tenuous it's like oh my god it it it, it all we know how it ends but yeah. if you didn't you would think this may not go their way yeah yeah so. exactly it's it's on a thread it's hanging by a thread and luckily we know where it ends but it's tough to see as how difficult it is to start start this thing um yeah we haven't really spent we have a few more minutes left and i want to just make sure before we end this we talk a little bit about ferrix and the villagers there sure. uh, we, we kind of alluded to them at the beginning but um i i loved all the interactions that cassian had in that first uh episode with with the people in the town um yep. and and you know we talked about a few like brasso like he his friend that he gets to kind of create this lie for him you know and um there was the the scene where um somebody confronts him about paying him back and you got that muscle guy behind him that's just like i was just told to stand here like some really interesting moments with with all these people um and and you get uh and then you get bix and tim who uh you know there seems like with with bix uh, a, a history with cassian maybe the fallout where they dated for a bit and now they're not anymore like when um when we see the conversation with marva marva's like bring brings up bix and he gets really defensive about it there's a history there and i wonder that, if we're going to explore that more i i think i yeah and i could see bix kind of coming back in the picture um i think there's a history there i think that was part of some of tim with two m's some of his jealousy and basically and ratting out Andor. yeah um so i i think Slightly i think there's inebriated a when he did it yep um, made the wrong call there, which yeah. again, I, I think the way that, by the way, I think the way that they treated him sadly is also a commentary on the world we're living in, especially here in the United States. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, I think, I think there's a complicated past there. Ferrix doesn't seem like it's like a, a, a huge place. And so there could have been romantic relationships. There could have been people who are jealous of that. Um, I think, I think we haven't seen the last of a couple of people from Ferrix. I also think she just cares a lot about him, you know, and that's like, she's willing Truly. to go out and do things for him. Like when, when she sees his name being broadcast out there, she tries to hide it. She, she looks for him. She's like worried about him, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think there's enough there that we can, we'll see some more happen later on. I, I'm kind of like, it kind of feels a little bit like Han and Kira. Like I, I, he, I know he doesn't ever have like a romantic attachment to Jin later on in Rogue One, but like you just see the two of them at the end and like they're they're just so close. Like yeah. 
I feel, and that was kind of with Han and Leia. Like nobody else can date Han. What are you talking about? But when Kira comes in, you're like, okay, that works. And then she betrays him, yeah. um, or at least just abandons him. Um, like I feel like there's something like that with Bix. Like it's going to be building up uh. of his character. Not like she's going to abandon him or something. Not the same thing. But it's it's kind of it's going to be instrumental to his development and build her into a, a good character as well. Like I. I hope we get her for season two. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like uh, that. Which, by good. the way, they're, they're saying um, season two pre-production has begun, and they're going to be they're going to be going full steam ahead in November, and then we will probably get the show. I think at, at the end of twenty twenty three or early twenty twenty four. I'm um, here for all is, of it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. And I also um, going back to Ferrix though. I wonder about Marpa. I wonder if we will ever see her again. I hope you know? so. I hope yeah. so too. Um, I mean. He's got all these connections with them. Like I said, I think they're going back. Um, I mean, I, I I love the town. Like how much they kind of stood up when those corporal guys came in. Like they just, yeah. they, they obviously don't like authority and, and have their own way of dealing with it. The reckoning and that all, that was such a great scene. You know, built some great tension there. Um, yeah. I, I love the bell tower guy. He loves his job. Man. Can I tell you something? <laughs> I tweeted yeah. this today. The Bell Tower guy, his last name is Bell, the actor. His name is Neil That's Bell. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Looked him I up on it. IMDb or whatever. And yeah, his name's Neil Bell. That's the note we're ending on, folks. And we're not yep. even going to talk about anything else. <laughs> but I mean, come on. He's one of the best characters. Neil there. Liberty Bell is what his friends call him. <laughs> oh, they will be now, at least, with how much he loved his job and how, how well he did at it. You know, he's I crushed committed. it. Yeah, he's awesome. committed to the, those those few seconds of screen time. That that set a vibe. It set a tone in that town. Yeah, um, totally did. You know what is you know what is he's credited as? What? Bell Tower Boy? The Time Grappler. That is the coolest name for anyone that's ever rung a bell. Neil Bell as the time I'm grappler. Winning my job today to become a <laughs> time grappler. Yeah, I heard there's a good buck in that. So uh, enjoy that. Live it up. <laughs> a machine hasn't replaced it yet. You're saying? Oh wait, yes, it has. You can't. You can't grapple like Neil Bell. I mean, uh, I'm looking at. I'm looking at you, droids. Um, uh, but I yeah, like per it. perhaps on that note, we can we can start to wrap up. Um, there's so, so much to talk about with these episodes oh and this series. Yeah. Like we'll be here talking about it again the next time, you know, the, the next two episodes come out um, and talking about how, how Comic-Con went and everything. So yeah. look forward to that, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, other Star Wars fans out there. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, biggest thing to say is just thank you again for being here. Um, thank you for, for listening. Thank you for putting up with our craziness and our inability sometimes to speak English words, or at least my inability to, at the beginning of this, I was really struggling. Um, and, and hopefully if you're watching this on YouTube, you enjoyed seeing our faces. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, join us next time. We'll talk about the next two episodes. We'll, we'll keep this train moving and, and enjoy some casting for the next uh, few weeks. Um, anything else that you want to say on before we part? Um, hit us up on uh, Twitter at Star Bros Podcast. Uh, follow us, send us a message, let us know what you're thinking about Andor or any other of the Star Wars comic books, anything else you're enjoying. We're always happy to uh, start a conversation there. Um, if you're watching this on the Braxium YouTube channel, which is our home on YouTube, uh, please do subscribe, follow, leave a comment, let us know what you thought, let us know what you hope to see in Andor. Um, we love hearing people's predictions too. Um, and 
if, if you'd like, send us an email. The Star Bros Pack the Star Bros Podcast at gmail.com. Excuse me. You're um, Englishing well today, too. Yes. Uh <laughs> we're there too. We're always really happy just to interact with uh, folks. And and if you're gonna be at New York Comic Con, um, let me know. Uh or Ben, you can let Ben know too. I don't <laughs> like, know why don't I said let that. me know. I don't care. <laughs> um we'd be happy to meet you and 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 say hello and, and give you some stickers um yes so hopefully hopefully the stickers will be here in time um i hope they'll be here in time um but yeah just thank you for listening thank you for following thank you for leaving reviews um we really really appreciate it and we're already looking forward to talking about the next two episodes of andor and that'll be nice because i feel like it's it's a lot to bite off to try to talk about four episodes um, a lot so us covering two next time plus the High Republic stuff, plus Comic-Con, um, plus whatever other crazy Star Wars news comes out, that feels more doable. Yes, totally agree with you. And on that note... On that note... I will go ahead and wake up my children who just got put to sleep. Are you ready for this? You, you don't have to do it super loud, because I think most of the people who listen to this have fallen asleep, too. <laughs> well, I gotta wake them up to like make sure that they know that it's time to really go to bed. Okay. Okay. Ready, ready. for it? Are yep. you sure? Yep. I'll do it quietly, then since you made a big deal about it. It's a wrap! Thank you.